Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg Live for March. We're so happy to have you here and I'll be your host, Chelsea Odner, hosting tonight in for Curtis. And we are going to spend this hour answering your live viewer questions. And to do this together, I have a phenomenal panel. And so that includes Cara Dom. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Cara Dom. I'm the Latin consultant for uh, the NCE and Off the Left Eye. And I work in the uh, comment response uh, arena, too. So I have the pleasure of talking to you folks. Happy to do it live tonight. Karin? Oops. <laughs> That's okay. I'll go next. Um, no, Jonathan, you go next. You go next. Okay. Hey, everybody. This is Jonathan Rose, series editor of the New Century Edition. And uh, during my day job, I have the fun of editing Secrets of Heaven. I just finished my first pass through Secrets of Heaven Volume 5, and Volume 3 is just about to come out. And so that's very fun to be immersed in that material. And then great to take a little break and be able to talk to you all and answer any questions that, that I can. So great to be with you. How about Karen? Hello, everybody. So happy to be here. Uh, we're starting to see some little spring shoots coming up here in Illinois, but it's still pretty cold. But spring is on the way, and I'm excited to be here with you all, ready to talk some spiritual talk. Yes. And so in the Northeast here, yeah, we've got flowers coming up, but then all these snow squalls were coming through our area today. So that was pretty wild. And Yes, we do this tricky thing where we introduce ourselves alphabetically, but that requires us to know the <laughs> alphabet, which is hard to remember sometimes. So, <laughs> but one of the other fun games that we play here on Swedenborg Live every month is we are raising money in support of the work that the Swedenborg Foundation does as a nonprofit. And then so if we reach our goal, then we give you 15 minutes of extra games of fun games where we get to uh, embarrass ourselves, laugh a lot, have some fun. And to reach that tonight, we need to raise $167. And so you'll see the little uh, thermometer going up over the course of the hour if you help us out. And we are doing $167 because it's inspired by this number from heaven and hell, which is since angels have no notion of time. They have a different concept of eternity than we earthly people do. By eternity, angels perceive an infinite state, not an infinite time. So that's a phenomenal concept to contemplate. And here we are going to be in a shared state of mind for the next, well, hour, but who's thinking about time? We'll see what, we'll see what happens. So if you want to donate and help us reach that goal of $167, then you can go to offthelefteye.com slash donate or otle.com slash donate will get you there too. And it's easier to type. Um, and so yeah, get your questions in. You can type them into the live chat and we're gonna get to as many as we can over the course of this state of mind together. And while you're at it, if you're thinking of somebody you love who has passed on or an, an ancestor, somebody you've thought of today, you can put that person in the chat as well. Um, 
because we're going to read through all of the people that we're thinking of at the end of the show in our thought brings presence section, which is a fun one we do every month where we live this concept that Swedenborg talks about how thought does bring presence in the spiritual world. So we can acknowledge our spiritual community while we're here having fun thinking about these spiritual topics. So that sounds like a fun time. And let's get to our first question. This is from Nicholas Celia, who asks, is it possible to want God in my life and be a reprobate at the same time? So possible to want God in my life and be a reprobate at the same time. And we might need to do some definition of terms or something. So uh, yeah, Karen, you want to start us off on this one? Well, I'm, I know there's a sort of doctrinal definition for reprobate that I'm not very familiar with, but if I'm just thinking of the word reprobate as somebody who's not in a good state, who's sort of resisting God or something or, or far away from God, um, no, I don't think it's possible to be both because I think if you mm. want God in your life, if you genuinely want God in your life, that's what God wants more than anything to be in your life. And so God only needs the smallest bit of desire on your part to be permitted. You know, God um, wants our consent, but if you want God in your life, God is going to be working constantly to come into your life and lead you on the path uh, to get closer and closer to God. So if you want God in your life, um, don't think of yourself as a retrobate, that you are somebody who wants you know, wants to walk in the direction of God. So those are some starting thoughts. Nice. Yeah. Jonathan. This is a really great question. I think um, the uh, it has to be possible. Swedenborg talks about the fact that it has to be possible to uh, be in that position. He says that all the way back in early times of the human race, the Lord uh, maneuvered in such a way that our minds could conceive of something where our hearts were not so that we could move forward. You know, we have to be able to yeah. move forward. Other otherwise you're just stuck where you are. And uh, so that's actually a, a great place to be. It's very uncomfortable because you're not where you want to be, but I think the angels smile on that state because that's good. Good things are going to happen from there as you go forward. The other teaching that strikes me is that uh, something I've just been reflecting on lately, that Swedenborg says a number of times that um, we are placed in heaven or in hell according to our intentions, uh, which is very merciful when you think about it, because some people don't have the money or the education or the opportunity or the support or whatever it might be to, to realize all their dreams or their potential or something. Uh, but if you have a goal, uh, that goal is what will bond you to other people. If that's a good goal, like wanting God in your life, then um, uh, the Lord works with that. And, and uh, that's the primary thing that the Lord looks at. Um, so reprobate status is not as important as that wanting part, if you mm. see what I mean. That's a great question. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, interesting 
distinction to make. And yeah, Cara, do you have any thoughts on this one too? Yeah, I just uh, I just looked up a definition of reprobate, and uh, one of those doctrinal definitions is one who is not one of the elect and is predestined to hell. So um, nobody, according to Swedenborg, is predestined to hell. So if you're labeling yourself as a reprobate, Nicholas, perhaps you could change that label um, as predestined to heaven. And yep, there are hard, hard, hard knocks along the way and tough stuff to go through. But uh, God intends you to be with him too. And so uh, you're, you can, you can do it. <laughs> Karin. Yeah, that's, uh, I love that, Cara. That is great. And uh, Jonathan brought in a very important distinction that we have a an outer and an inner self, uh, a truer and a less true self. Um, and they can be at, at odds with each other at times during our development. And when I, when I think of you, Nicholas, I'm thinking of your true self, your deeper, deeper intentions. And so, yes, like Jonathan was pointing out, we can have uh, other parts of our mind, lower parts that are sort of, uh, you know, going back and forth in, in being closer or farther away, but it's, it's that intention. And yes, you're predestined to heaven, like Kara said. Oh, I love that. It just makes me think like, uh, like what you were saying initially, Karen, about how uh, God wants to be in our lives. You know, we want, we might have a wanting of God, but that's actually a reciprocation of what God wanted first, which is God wants to be in our life. And so there's no, it would go against God's essence to reject anybody. Like that's not, God is this, the the wanting to bring us closer to and in a closer relationship with that divine. And, and that Swedenborg even says, you know, God loves everybody. Like it's God's love for us that is what's keeping us alive. So it's like, if you're here asking that question, then you're not, a reprobate, you know, because that's just not possible because God's life, God's love for you is what is sort of keeping you, you know, is, is fueling your spirit. And, uh, at that deepest level, even if you get, you know, no matter how confused we get on that outermost level. Um, yeah, Jonathan, if I can just add another tag on the end here that, um, it's very important, the direction that your life is going in. It's not as important exactly where you are right now, but which direction are you going in? Swedenborg talks about seeing people in the spiritual world who uh, you can tell who they are by the pathways they're on because mm. where they go when they have a chance, you know, do you head in a positive direction when you have a chance, that kind of thing. And so uh, that's, it doesn't matter where, where you start from. I mean, the whole idea of salvation is, you start from not a very good place, but you, you, you're headed in the right direction. So thanks again for that great question. <laughs> yeah, it is a great question. And I can't help but think that it's just like us in this show that we have this intention to reach $167 in this hour. But it's really okay if we don't, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. That, in that intention is still real. And we'll always have the games someday. So we'll see if we reach it. And in the meantime, here is another question uh, from Gabrielle, who asks, what is heaven like? Is it personalized for each person or just one big place? 
can we do whatever we want in our heaven? So, ooh, interesting questions about heaven. Yeah, Jonathan. Well, uh, I thought I'd maybe start at the end there. Uh, can yeah. we do whatever we want? Um, uh, yes, if what you want is good, <laughs> uh, which is a, a pretty big um, proviso. But um, uh, there is a great freedom in heaven. Uh, Swedenborg says that the highest and most loving angels are uh they they seem entirely free. They seem childlike, you know, with that amazing freedom that the little children have. Uh, just oh, I'll do this. Oh, now I'll do that. And um, uh, but they are bound invisibly by a, a conscience inside themselves that there are a lot of things that they would not do. You know, in other words, there's there's not no structure to it, kind of thing. Um, uh, but if you've really internalized that, that's the, the whole goal, because that freedom is a lot more fun. You know, I think that's what the Lord wants for everybody. And uh, it is very much personalized. It's one of the beautiful things to me about what Swedenborg says about heaven, that um, uh, heaven varies a great deal. Uh, the, the look of these different heavens, the light there, the atmospheres are, are different and so on. They're quite different environments. I think that's very fun and stimulating to think about. Um, and it is personalized because Swedenborg says that even down to the every individual, you are a heaven in and of yourself, a little microcosm of heaven. And your heaven is not exactly the same as, as anybody else's because it's made of what you love the most, you know, the good that you most want to do, the thing that you have a passion for, and your unique understanding that you've built up during the course of your life, the wisdom that you've gained. And uh, so it's fun that in a way there are as many heavens as there are angels. So it's it's very much uh, personalized. And I'll leave it to others to talk about what it's like. Nice. Well, I'll just insert myself here for a second because Speaking of that intention, we have now almost reached our goal through gifts from Jonathan, thank you so much, and Mary. So between just those two gifts, we are now nearly at our goal. So really closing uh, closing in on it just at this point. So that's really wonderful. Thank you so much for those gifts, for that support of this work, for us getting these ideas out there. And yeah, everybody, you can go to offtheleftei.com slash donate or otle.com slash donate. And uh, that's where you can give. So yeah, let's keep going with this question, Cara. Yeah, I just wanted to add that um, even though it's a custom made, so so to speak, for us in heaven, Swedenborg talks about the importance of community and that we're all in communities um, that correspond to how the body, the human body works. So, you know, like the liver has a whole lot of little liver cells going on and the kidney has kidney cells. So they're individual cells, but they're all performing a similar function. And so uh, somehow I think it's one of those magic things about the spiritual world. It's a shared experience at the same time that it's an individual experience. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that's going to feel. Karen? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, two thoughts. One is building on what Jonathan was saying, that in heaven, 
they can do everything they want that is good. And the thing is, entering heaven is because you've developed to a point where you've been freed from wanting to do evil, you know, so it's, it's like so much more freedom than when we're down in this earthly state of kind of sometimes wanting to do something not very nice and sometimes wanting to do something nice. And um, just imagine if you were freed from ever wanting to say something rude to somebody or, or be mad at somebody or, and yeah, the higher up in heaven, the more free they are from such things. And it doesn't mean they don't still go through, uh, you know, cycles of purification, but that want to do evil is, is gone. You know, it's more like greater or lesser good, (laughs) but, you know, wanting to just really be horrible to somebody is gone. And so, Think of that freedom to be able to do whatever you want, because what you want to do is good. It just sounds marvelous to me. And the, the possibilities just are endless of ways to be good and beneficial to others and explorative and, you know, getting deeper in truth and love and all that. And then, uh, yeah, as far as um, the same or let's see, what was the question? Is it personalized or just one big place? Yeah, like like Cara was indicating, is both, like the human body is both one beautiful entity working together and all these different parts doing their own thing. Same with groups of people. They're all unified by a common purpose of the common good, you know, God's love for everybody. But, they're, but every heaven, every community is unique and doing something really cool and special together and if you just you can get a get a feel for what if you imagine earth earthly life without strife you know all these different countries and states and cities and communities of people all um you know interacting in different ways like sharing what they're doing with others and and benefiting you know we have all these different industries and things that are providing things uh in different ways so um and if, if everybody was just on board with, let's just make the world a good place for everybody, <laughs> that's, you know, you can start to imagine what heaven is. It's just doing all these different, interesting, fascinating things. And it's all a benefit to the whole and, and great fun for everybody. So lots, lots going on, lots of activity. Oh, so great. So great to hear from each of you guys about that question. And I, uh, what came to mind in hearing you just say that, Karen, was that I, I recently attended a conference. And so everybody was at the conference because we all shared a similar love. You know, we all wanted to be there because we loved learning about the same kind of thing. And we're going to the same, you know, like there's a lot of sessions, but everybody's going to the sessions that appeal to them the, mo- the most. So it was like one big thing, this conference. And yet I know for certain every single person there had a different experience. You know, like nobody had the same experience everybody's experience was so personalized and made interesting connections. So just like, it's fun to think about that. I just lived through us one of those both ands and there's somehow, I feel like that's a taste of heaven somehow is, is that, is that what we get when we're in these communities now? And so that's really cool. Um, and I want to say thanks so much to Curtis for his donation to this. Uh, that is, I happen to know our very own Curtis <laughs> um, child. So I'll take it as a vote of confidence in my hosting. Um, and, uh, but so thank you so much. We are very close to our goal. And um, that's 
exciting. So let's keep keep the party going and we'll we'll respond to another question. So this one is from Matthew Bush, who asks, does Swedenborg mention, or does anyone know, if there's a correspondence when Jesus's disciples fell asleep three times and what temptation they were supposed to be staving off? So maybe we'll need a little uh, brief on that, what exactly happens in that story, and then we could maybe see about what the correspondence is too. Yeah, so Karen, thanks. That'd be great. Yeah, this is referring to when Jesus uh, was in the Garden of Gethsemane shortly before he was about to be arrested. He knew he was about to be arrested and and that would set into motion the events that would lead to the crucifixion. And um, he took his disciples with him to the garden and and uh, they they keep kept falling asleep. He said, keep keep watch. I think, you know, just like wait here for me, keep watch sort of thing. And he would go and pray and he was in agony. You know, he knew what was coming and he was in, in it was, you know, the height of his temptations. And uh, he would come back and they had fallen asleep and he would wake them up. And this happened three times. And um, he seems in the story to uh, kind of gently be admonishing them <laughs> to sort of like, couldn't you stay awake? You know, um, and I, I saw this question ahead of time and I did a little poking around and, and there's much of the New Testament that Swedenborg does not directly comment on and that can be frustrating. So I couldn't find anything specifically about this, you know, this event. Um, but I do know that um, three times always uh, indicates a, a completion of a cycle mm-hmm. and, and falling asleep just means in falling asleep corresponds to just being unaware or, you know, like ignorant or in obscurity as Swedenborg says in, in some translations, um, just unaware. And I wonder if it's just a picture really of how unaware they were of what Jesus was facing and going through and how clueless they were about what was, you know, what he, what he was facing inside, even beyond what, um, he was about to face outside. And of course the disciples represent parts of ourselves and how unaware we are of, of what the Lord is doing for us. And so it might just be a picture of our, you know, our, our human uh, limitations on really understanding what's going on and what the Lord is uh, going through for us. So there's some beginning thoughts. Yeah, I like that explanation. And um, uh, what it made me think about is the teaching that all of us, um, when we go through temptations, uh, which doesn't primarily mean that we're tempted to eat the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, or so I, it can sometimes involve that, but it's more of a spiritual crisis or a trial of some kind. And Swedenborg says that when we go through them, uh, they always have a uh, a point at which we're I think of the Swedenborg, I don't think uses this phrase, but where we're at the end, end of our rope, they say, you know, like you've got so much rope and then you're at the end of your rope. And uh, Swedenborg says they reach the limit of your power and then you simply fall after that point. And what's very important about that point, you'd think, why would God have us go through that? But what's important is that when you fall, then the Lord picks you up. And that's literally what happens in this story, that the Lord kind of wakes them up and 
and brings them around. And I just picture myself being in that situation. I think it just reached the limit of their power. They, they couldn't take it. They, they were, they were uh, merely human and finite, whereas God had a, a finite aspect or, you know, the, the human part, but he also had a divine part that was sustaining him from within. And so he was able to go through a lot more than other people can go through. And he, he could take more temptation. It just reached the limit of what they could uh, go through, I think. So that's humbling. But also what you find out when you, isn't it a, isn't it a weightlifting principle or in other forms of working out that you go to failure? you know, or you go beyond what you're able to do, just like 15% more than you can, you can handle. And, and that, that strengthens you over time. Uh, that principle of failure, because then when you at the end of your rope, when something picks you up, then you realize, oh, there really is a God, you know, and I, I left to myself, all I would do is fall at this point. And to have something pick you up at that that point and, and hold you uh, is, is such a, a good thing. Uh, so I don't know if all of that is embodied in that story, but, but it seems to me an image uh, because those three disciples, if memory serves, who were with him mean faith and the feeling of charity toward others and then actual good works toward others. And even those human responses which kind of cover all the bases they they break down at a, at a certain point you know we're we're weak and finite and um so I, I don't know if that helps but that's what came to mind that's really cool it's really great to think about that uh and it makes me wonder i love wondering with our viewers and audience about what what this means and uh and bringing in swedenborg's perspective on it um it's one of those times where I feel like I have learned this. I mean, I think the Bible makes it plain, but maybe Swedenborg brings it up too. But this way that the God and and then in the stories of the Bible has a knack for saying, saying something uh, as if as if we could help ourselves, <laughs> you know. Like, but of course we can't like, like God knows we're not going to be able to not fall asleep. Like, so the way, the way God is saying, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I pulled up the quote, you know, it's, it comes across as if like, oh, don't do this thing. But really it's sort of God saying, look, I know you're going to do this thing and this is how it's going to be. And so read the rest of the story, you know, like pay attention and like, you know, sort of that's, that's what we're sort of invited to do. And I like, uh, it's sort of sweet to think of God having these disciples that are just always falling asleep, uh, be his buddies, you know, be the ones that he's having, having with, with him and, and, and so it makes me think of like the parts of ourselves, you know, and just sort of that compassion that we can have on the different parts of ourselves that, oh, okay, yeah, that's falling asleep. You know, that, that one's not lasting, <laughs> lasting the night or whatever. Um, so there's something just sort of merciful and sweet uh, about it to me in that too. Um, and we have another gift. 
I want to say thank you so much to Jana, who got us right up to 155. And then Christy gave. So we're now over. We've reached our goal. We're at 180. And that was in honor of her mother, Helen. And she says, thank you. Uh, yay. Thank uh, you. Oh, and another one just came in. So thank you to Shelly. So our total is now 205. Thank you so much to everybody who has given. So now you're definitely going to get to see us uh, be silly at the end with these Swedenborg games. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but first, more deep spiritual thought. That was a great question. And thanks, everybody, for your thoughts about that and for Matthew for the question. Next um, is from... Colin Vickers, who asks, how can we distinguish providence from non-providence? And yeah, I'd love to hear what you think, Cara, about this one. First thought is that there's no such thing as non-providence. Uh, the Lord provide, I mean, foresees the steps we'll be taking in our life, and he provides mm. The, the circumstances for us to live into given our choices. And um, I mean, the Swedenborg talks about the concept of permission rather than providence, uh, which is allowing something that, you know, he wouldn't choose for us maybe. And yet we have to go through all the stumbling and the falling, like Jonathan said, in order to um, get our spiritual strength. So, there's some quote that says not the least circumstance is outside of Providence. The fall of the cards, like how the cards play out when you deal a deck of cards and he, he, you know, the roll of the dice, he gives a couple of very earthly examples of how Providence is in charge of every single thing that's going on. So uh, it's really something to try to sort of let go and let that be the truth in your life. But that's what Swedenborg says. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I, I was, I totally agree, Cara, that, uh, yeah, divine providence is the, the God's guidance over it all. And like you were saying, there's divine will for what God wants to happen. There's divine permission for what God does not want to happen, but allows for the sake of the long-term good that can be brought out of it eventually. But it's all in providence and and i love the that concept because you can trust in providence like we can make a big mess for ourselves by bad choices and you know going off in a in a negative direction but providence is always working to guide us back or or bring something good out of it and um you know even our worst mistakes and everything so it's it's a very comforting thought mm, i love that yeah, and I just, I just was, what popped to mind was saying that was like a natural world example. And I thought of um, when I was learning about volcanoes and volcanoes just seem like a, that can't be good, you know, molten lava, like spilling out and killing everything in its path. And it turns out that is the, that's like where life starts like that, that like it, it keeps the earth alive. It's actually this like healing thing that happens because volcanoes are erupting. Anyway, I'm not a volcanologist or something, but it's <laughs> interesting. And I think there's something to that. So Jonathan, 
Yes, the, the I um, as people mentioned the um, uh, sometimes Swedenborg talks about providence, and that's a very interesting word because it la- comes from a Latin for pro videre. Videre is to see, and pro is forward, and he relates it to pri videre, which is foresight. You know, seeing ahead of time. So sort of foreseeing, but also for in the sense, so for F-O-R-E, foreseeing, but also foreseeing, like you're seeing in order to help something happen or to prevent something else. And uh, so it's just an interesting combination of seeing you think of as being kind of passive and yet provide is a very active thing in in English and in Latin. And and, um, uh, so Swedenborg talks about uh, providence he talks sometimes about the Lord's good pleasure. He talks about permission, as people mention, and he says there are some things that the Lord cannot prevent for the sake of the goal, which is salvation. So, um, uh, you know, uh, so there are degrees of uh, the Lord's pleasure and displeasure in in what goes on. It's not that he loves everything that that happens. Um, And the question about how we can distinguish between those levels, uh, maybe my answer is kind of simplistic, but I think the things that fall under the heading of permission or things that he cannot prevent for the sake of the goal would be bad things. You know, they're all, they're all the bad things. They're all the, all the things that hurt and all the things that are do damage and all the things that are, awful. And, uh, you know, so basically that's how you can tell it's still, I agree within Providence, but it's kind of the other side of it, uh, that the, the, the Lord is not happy about it, but he puts up with it for the sake of the goal, the long-term, uh, goal of, of being able to help us move forward. A very interesting question. Cool. I like that, that even the permission is actually in service to the providence because it's like what you're saying about the four seeing, like it's, he's always watching out to work that toward good. Um, That's so great. And what's also so great is that we have now even reached twice our goal uh, because we had, I have a number of thank you and thank yous to call out for people. So S gave, and Stephanie, thank you so much. Diana, in honor of Susan, and Anonymous, and then another Anonymous game gave. And so I think we're up to $410 from 10 donors. Ooh. And so we might, this, this is amazing. And maybe we'll even get to like three times. I haven't done the math yet, but I feel like we're already getting close. So Wow. Thank you so much to everybody for your generosity. And we promise to put these dollars to good use because our goal is to help people with these ideas, with this, with these ideas of providence, you know, to be bringing, uh, bringing these things into the conversation because they can be so helpful um, in people's lives. And we're going to pause right now before we go to the next question um, in order to thank all of our March donors and 
and do a little raffle from that list. So here is everyone who gave this March and I can't read all the names. There's so many, but we can look at them and appreciate all of them with love. Just think of that network of individual personalities, all these people who are collecting together, who love the same thing, have this love, you know, of service and generosity in their hearts, and then are getting a unique experience out of it, but helping us do what we do. So thank you to all of our March donors. And from that list, we're pulling our raffle winner. And the winner of this raffle gets a online ticket to the Off the Left Eye experience, a virtual pass, which is a $99 value. And uh, if you win, it means you're coming to the Off the Left Eye experience as a virtual attendee, or you can apply it to an in-person uh, ticket. Um, you know, or or if you feel flush and you're you were planning on coming anyway, you can pr- you put it towards our angel fund, which provides financial aid to people um, who couldn't otherwise attend the conference. So let's see who is going to win this month's raffle drawing. G Tan, yay! Woo-hoo. Thank you, thank you. So that's exciting. Um, I'm sure we'll be getting in touch with you to give you more information about that. But can't wait to see you at the Off the Left Eye Experience, June 24th to the 26th, uh, virtually or in person in Bernathan, Pennsylvania. And for everybody else, this is your first time hearing about it. Registration is live. Uh, you can find out more about it at our website, offtheleftive.com. And if you are thinking about it, considering it, now would be the time because we are running an early bird discount, but that ends very soon. I guess the end of this week, the end of the month, the end of March, the 31st is the last day for the early bird discount. And so you can sign up or register. There's a link in the description um, directly to that registration. So as they say, the early bird gets the discount. So um, thank you so much. And uh, so let's get to another question. This one is from Billy Naylor, who asks, does Swedenborg talk about thought being reality? Like just thinking of something makes it possible. And I can't wait to hear your answers because it is so interesting, this idea that there is power to what we think, but how much power, what are the limits? I'm interested to know. So Jonathan, start us off. Okay, yes. Very, very um, interesting uh, question. Um, uh, Thought does indeed make things possible, but not by itself. Um, thought is very, very powerful. And Swedenborg talks a lot about, basically, he sees human beings as being feelings and thoughts. That, that's in a physical body, doing things in the world. Uh, what, what our minds are, essentially, our spirits is uh, thought and feelings or, or love. Um, and the love part is an important piece of it. Because uh, Swedenborg says that really the the essence, the underlying reality of the whole universe is love. Uh, and love is partnered with wisdom or knowledge or various different words, intelligence. 
um, that makes things possible. If you only have a thought, uh, but it's not being driven by a passion of some kind, uh, thankfully that does not always manifest in our world. Because I don't know about you, sometimes I think bad things. And if every time I had that thought that manifested, that would not be good. Uh, it's engineered in such a way that if the heart and the mind, the love and the thought come together and decide on something, that's when things happen. And we can see that, but where do all inventions and ideas, you know, business models and creativity, and uh, that's all where it comes from. I think of the miracles in the New Testament, uh, you know, where the Lord creates more loaves and more fish out of a small amount. And uh, Swedenborg talks about how that actually came down from the spiritual world into the flesh. And at first, that seemed very strange to me, miraculous, and it is. But the more I thought about it, I thought, well, where did the idea for Velcro come from? You know, somebody saw a bush and, and thought, oh, hey, maybe you, we could use this on our kids' shoes. Or I don't know what the origin of the thought was, but it was a great thought. And it's really helped us all out. And um, so the combination of love and thought uh, really is a driver to all kinds of things being possible. And luckily there are some sort of event horizons or what do you call those where, you know, it has to reach a certain threshold before it tips over uh, because otherwise, you know, you can have a million thoughts a, a second and that could be nuts if, if that was creating stuff all the time. Interesting mm -hmm. question. Thank you. Oh, it's so interesting. It seems to connect with the whole, what we've been talking about the power of intention like that intention is sort of when you got your thoughts and your heart together, like, whoa, that's this spiritual jet engine thing. So uh, Karin. Yeah, I love that. And one thing, what I understand from what Swedenborg learned is in the, in the spiritual world, it's, it's quite, uh, you know, often instant. Um, if you have the, the thought and the desire things can just happen instantly or manifest in instantly different in this world. Everything's slowed down because physical matter is, is a slower slog uh, compared to spiritual, the spiritual environment. Um, and definitely still thought and intention and, and especially intention put into action do, is what makes things happen. Absolutely. Um, but that's kind of our, I think it can be frustrating. Like in this world, it can be, people can try a long time and have a lot of passion and, and it seems to, you know, mm. not, not work out or whatever. And um, am I doing something wrong? Well, no, I think it's just uh, as uh, Jonathan was saying, like there, something has to be reached and we never know. This is a good, uh, a good um, time to trust in Providence. If you are working hard and you have a thought and you have intention, but it's not, it's not happening yet. Just trust in Providence. There might just be other things that need to happen or the timing's not right or whatever. So in, in this world, um, just take a burden off yourself that <laughs> this world is, is more difficult in, in so many ways. Um, but still it's that, and, and maybe just sometimes when you have to try a long time, that's helping you to build your, you know, build, um, 
build your desire more or to, or to find out how much you wanted or who knows what, but just, uh, yeah, know that it, there's not something wrong with you if you're thinking and you're, uh, has a passion, but it's not working out yet. Cause, uh, you know, some, some people have asked us, uh, you know, if I'm not fine, my soulmate, for instance, what's wrong with me? Am I doing some, no, it's just like the timing, who knows what's going on? You know, there, there's a, it's a long, it's a long story, our lives. And so some things will happen in this life, um, from, from our thought and intention and actions, and some things will finish and, and, uh, manifest in the next life. So that's mm-hmm. some more thoughts. Nice. I love, uh, oh, it's interesting. I love what you're saying. And I just sort of spinning off of that a little bit with what you're, uh, talking about. I feel like and I know this is kind of getting a little bit away from the question, I guess, but it just is so interesting that um, I feel like part of the process is that we're always, we're only, we work with what we know, you know, and we just maybe don't even know our deepest intentions or, you know, like what, who, who we are, but God, God knows that God can see our full self. And, and so it makes me think of that verse of like, uh, you know, the word of God is living and active, you know, it pierces even dividing the soul, like knowing, knowing, being able to piece apart. Oh, is this, is this really your deepest intention or like God can see when something we want maybe isn't what we, uh, what we really want, you know, or knows that that's coming from some other thing that isn't as good. And a sort of principle that I use in work in playing with this whole like thought bringing reality, like how do we, uh, manifest things or make things possible through our thoughts and intentions is um uh it just came to me as like the alpha and the omega meaning like god is the beginning and the end and so if you hold god as the beginning and the end of your life you start by wanting god's will you know to be done and that's sort of you do you do that at the beginning and then in the middle you're like going like crazy like what do I want to do? You know, I'm going to, you know, having that intention, like I want to do this or I want to do that, that like marrying of love and wisdom. Cause you know, you've already set that intention of it being in service to God's will, but then you let it go with God being the end as well is like, okay, but whatever I'm trying, I know God's going to actually lead it to what's best for me and everybody. And so sort of holding that God is the beginning and end the alpha and the omega and us trying to do our own will is sort of us trying to get in alignment with God's will and God will lead us. And, uh, and so there is this exciting, fun work of thinking things into reality, you know, and, and having that heart in it. Um, but thankfully God's like in charge all the way. So, um, great. Well, this uh, next question. Thank you, Billy, for that question. And this next one comes from Nancy Lindman, um, who asks, regarding being kind to the neighbor, I've recently had an intention to be kind and useful go sour. So I fled the scene. I'm left feeling confused, hurt, and cowardly. How to lovingly face such circumstances? And so thanks, Nancy, for telling us about that scenario it can totally be hard to feel like you try one thing and it kind of blows up in your face or whatever that experience was um and so 
so yeah, how to lovingly face such circumstances. Cara Dom, you want to start us off? I'll start off because it feels very familiar to me. Um, <laughs> and I don't have the answer, but I have some thoughts. Um, Swedenborg talks about how the path of repentance and regeneration is built on our shunning evils as sins. And one of the Latin words he uses around that language of shunning is the Latin word fugio, which means to flee, to run away. So I, I am touched by the fact that you felt like, I mean, you were wanting to be good and, and helpful and what was bubbling up maybe, but some hellish kind of anger or revenge or I don't know what. And so you're running away from expressing it that good job. You know, that's a great way. That's one way to deal with it. Um, So lovingly face those circumstances in yourself, I would say, to just understand that it's extremely hard to come face to face with something that's going to bring those reactions up in you. Um, and, you know, just the trickiness of finding personal boundaries, healthy boundaries. Um, and when you have to interact with in situations like that, or when you might be able to avoid, avoid is another word about shunning and fleeing and running away. Um, so those are just some thoughts. Um, there you ha- are having a good intention, which we've talked about a couple of times already tonight. Good intentions are good things and carrying through on them. Um, there might be more than one answer about how you could do that. Yes, this is a, a very touching situation and very familiar, I think. And um, uh, I think that effectively loving other humans is the most supremely challenging thing ever. Um, Sometimes I think this is what's going to occupy us for eternity is trying to get good at that Um, and and improving because it's the hardest thing in the world, isn't it? You you approach it from, from and you, you know, you, you you bring everything you've got to the situation and then, then it goes sour and, and you, what was that? You know, what just happened there? And, and um, so I, what I've done in situations like that is to um, to pray and reflect. There's no way around sort of nursing your your wounds. I mean, there's no sort of medicine to me that just makes it feel wonderful, make it all go away. You know, I I think that that does hurt. Uh, but the Lord is trying to bring good out of that hurt, as we've talked about before this evening, and um, and I think in a way. Uh, you ask how to lovingly face such circumstances. I Something I love about what Swedenborg says is that love is always seeking wisdom. Wisdom is always seeking love. You know, knowledge is always seeking passion and vice versa. And uh, so it sounds to me just an armchair diagnosis, easy to do from where I am sitting over here. But it sounds like the love thing is is, is okay there. Uh, the the wisdom thing is where like that love uh, maybe going through a painful experience of of uh, trying to become wiser, trying to become deeper about 
how to love effectively. I, I can't count the number of times that I've gone into situations feeling like I have a good heart or whatever. And that's like a, a mousetrap or something. You know? <laughs> like, no, no, that's not what, uh, what I was trying to do or being completely misunderstood or seeing something in myself that another agenda or, you know, whatever. So um, I, I feel for you and hopefully these thoughts will, you know, give you, give you something, at least you have fellow sufferers on this show. Yes. <laughs> well said, both of you. Oh, really good. And yeah, I uh, agree that to, to lovingly face such circumstances, first, you have to have some compassion for yourself as not being completely like perfect. Because um, yeah, like Jonathan says, this is like the challenge of being a human, um, at least at this stage of humanity that we're in. Um, I do agree with Kara that to recognize that you need to remove yourself from a scene because it's, it's stirring up stuff in yourself. That's not, that's, that's not loving. Um, that's really wise to step back and think. And yeah, I, I, we were just talking about, can just thought and intention make things happen? Well, here's an example of you have an intention. Um, but, but, uh, through a circuit, uh, through, a an experience like that, you are learning like, okay, what, what, uh, tools do I need? You know, like you might want to start a business or blah, 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 you know, and you have to learn what you need, what tools and skills you need. And so here's a situation where you were learning something about like, whoa, okay, I need some tools. I need some skills. That was a situation I was unable to handle. And, you know, that happens all the time. And so I think each, um, experience like that is an opportunity to step back and think, okay, it, it might, you know, like Jonathan saying, gain some wisdom, like I need some more tools in my spiritual toolbox, or that, you know, that is not going to work with that person, I need to either disengage or try a different approach. Um, I need to work on what, look at what triggers me, you know, there's all these things that, um, that it gives an opportunity to reflect on. So it's, it's, uh, it's the intention is good and it can still be there and, and nothing has to happen to that intention, but it, that intention needs more tools, more experience, um, more, more wisdom. So that's, that's good. That's our process. Um, a couple shows that I'll recommend is the three simple ways to love everyone. Um, when you're encountering a, a difficult, you know, a person who, Things are things are being triggered in you from this person's behavior. Uh, that show gives some just some ways to think about another person that could calm down uh, maybe your reactions. And the other is how to love uh, the um, a part in in the uh, a parable of Jesus that gives us these guidelines of different ways to love. You know, different ways to. Um, use our good intentions towards someone else in different circumstances, because every circumstance calls for a different kind of loving, um, some from a distance, some up close. So there's two shows that might be helpful, but we, we hear you, we, we can relate. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I love what everybody has said. And I uh, just kind of playing off of that, vein of what you just said, Karin, in terms of like tools, something that just um, 
came to my mind when thinking about how to lovingly face such circumstances and not knowing the details of your, of the circumstance, but, um, something I learned recently, uh, at this conference I was at, it's from, it's from an author. Um, her name is, uh, Sakina Hoffler and she, um, she shared about this reflection tool that she's developed that she calls radical empathy. And it's when you, um, if, if you're doing the reflection, like Jonathan was suggesting of like, reflect on the circumstance, see like what, what was going on there? Maybe like reevaluate where, where did things sort of go wrong or what happened? And you might imagine experience, like going through the experience from the other person's point of view. And, and if you can imagine what was it like for the other person going through this, or maybe even like, do some journaling, imagining yourself from their perspective and, and then your own perspective too. But if you're finding it hard to think about the other person's perspective, I love this idea she had where you, you basically turn back the time you have the people age younger. So then you do the exercise again, but you imagine, you imagine the people involved being, you know, children or something, or you, you keep going back in time. So they're younger and younger until you're imagining the same scenario, but as this person as a little child, uh, you know, having the perspective that they did. And then you as a little child showing up to help. I just think that sounds like such a powerful way of, of connecting, getting a sense of what, what was going on here and what might've been happening from, from the different perspectives involved. So radical empathy, uh, fun little exercise from Sakina Hoffler. Um, so I wonder maybe we can, uh, Let's see. Nope. I think we're so close on time. That might just have to have been our last question for the evening because now we want to um, do our thought brings present section. So thank you so much, Nancy Lindman, for that question. And uh, we wish you well. And so now for thought brings presence. Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> this is a time where we're just spending a few minutes thinking about people we love who have gone on to the afterlife and, and that they are still with us. When we think about it, when we think about them, they, they come near. So starting with a quote first, to get us into this frame of mind from Heaven and Hell 445, we are not people because of our bodies, but because of our spirits. After all, it is the spirit within us that thinks and thought and affection together make us the people we are. We can see then that when we die, we simply move from one world into another. So it is just a transition of our true selves. And so here are some people that uh, members of our audience are thinking about today. James Malamute is thinking of my mom. Hello all, I am new here. Lost my mom last February, 2021. I lived alone with her for over 12 years and have been grieving and just so depressed from living on without her. Happy I found off the left eye. Aw, we're thinking of you, James. That's so hard. Witch of the Wildwood is thinking of a coworker. I'm thinking about a coworker who I didn't know well, but who was found passed away in his home yesterday. He was young, maybe 40 or 45, and always seemed cheerful, just remembering him. Ah, oh, thinking of him with you. 
Paul Stavro Beauchamp is thinking of Mark Slang Slangerup. Slangerup. My best friend, Mark Slangerup, died 10 years ago this April. I think about him often. Mm. Aw, that's sweet. Kenny Rumrill is thinking of Jan Rumrill, thinking of my wife, life partner of 50 years who entered the spiritual world two years ago. Aw, thinking of her with you. Frog Brother is thinking of Dakota Luvina. Please offer a tribute to Dakota Luvina. Send her strength, peace, love, and harmony. Many blessings to you all. We're thinking of Dakota with you. Earth Cat is thinking of Norma Lucille Trussler Heard, my mom. Ah, sweet. That is everybody. Thank you, everybody. Oh, there's one more. Ellen Hale is thinking of Larry Ray Hale, best man and husband, passed last August 4th. I'm looking forward to being reunited to him more tenderly than before because we will be in the spiritual world. Yes, that is what Swedenborg says. Your love will be increased. Thank you, everybody. We're thinking of those people with love and thinking of you all. Yes, all. Thank you to everyone who thought of somebody and put it in the chat and anybody else that you didn't put in the chat, but you're holding silently in your heart. We're holding them too with love. And um, we also have a tribute wall on our website um, where uh, this is a sample of it where um, it, it, when you when you make a donation, you can make it in tribute to someone. And so then that uh, we put that either in honor of or in memory of um, that person on on our website there. So it has a more uh, lasting time, but that's always such a special time. So thank you so much for your participation in that. Um, and we're even going to be uh, running a tribute campaign next month in April, the theme of remembrance. Um, and so thinking of those loved ones so you can look forward to that. And right now, we have no longer to wait for our Swedenborg games. So <laughs> let's, let's get to it. Um, and this is what we've all been waiting for. No, um, but thanks again with all for all of the generous donations that made this um, that got us to our goal. So here we are doing the games, but then of course the larger mission that you're serving with your support. Uh, but our first game is Swedenbot. So let's try that out. So there's our Swedenbot. And we have fed. Swedenbot is a fun game where we get submissions from our little AI that we've fed all of Swedenborg's works to. And then Swedenbot um, spits out <laughs> pithy phrases um, about spiritual life. And we grade Swedenbot about how close they're getting to um, you know, the kind of the kind of uplifting spiritual truth that Swedenborg was really all about. So uh, let's see what Swedenbot has for us this week. Okay, enlightenment occurs in the other world. <laughs> well, well, it's a decent sentence. Um, uh, so that's good. Um, enlightenment occurs in this world, not only 
in the other world, unless you think of the mind as being in the spiritual world that gets the enlightenment. But mm-hmm. it, Swedenborg never kind of locates enlightenment to a given kind of place or area or part of the universe that I remember. Um, so I'll think about a grade, but what do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing that uh, it kind of gives a wrong impression that enlightenment can only happen in the other world, the spiritual world, when it can happen in this world too, it increases in the next life. But yeah, that sort of threw me a little bit, but technically our minds, you know, the higher parts of our minds are already in the spiritual world. So I don't know, could it be a B for just I'm, sort of, you know, that's like, what I'm thinking. <laughs> what do you yeah, think? I think Sarah? a B. Yeah. I think a B, B would be good. Yeah. It is interesting maybe that it is sort of Sweden, like what Swedenborg said about that, you know, it makes me think of that in the afterlife, we continue to learn and grow, you know, like we're evolved like that. So enlightenment does occur in the other world. Um, But there's a a few pitfalls to the, to the sentence, like you guys (laughs) pointed out, but still, so it's, I'd say, yeah, B. We'll give Sweden bought a B for that one. (laughs) All right. And oh, go ahead, Cara. What was your thought? That's fine. That's fine. That's my point. You, you get first dibs on this one. Okay. So the aura of life flows into the desire of what is good and true. Okay. My first uh, critical thought is um, usually Swedenborg talks about the aura of life flowing out of people. Oh, good point. Um, at least the aura of a person's life. Of course, there's influx from God into every one of us. That could be called the aura of life. Mm. Um, And in that way, uh, a desire for what is good and true would be a really good receptacle for the influx, the inflowingness of God. Yeah, it does depend on what the definition of the aura of life is in this (laughs) context, because I agree with what you said, Cara. And I, I would, the editor in me would change that of to the second one to a four desire for what is good and true. It's a little odd to speak of the desire of, I mean, Swedenborg, the English translations of Swedenborg do tend to lean heavily on the word of to represent his genitive case. But um, I'm sort of leaning toward a B. What What do you guys yeah. think? You know, it's not horrible. It's not misleading. Um, it's almost exactly uh, like it's it's a uh, spell. It, like it at first blush, it makes you think, yes, exactly. And then when you get into those particulars, like, wait, who's desiring here? True goodness and truth is what's doing the desiring because it's the desire of these things. And what's the aura of life? I don't know. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm good with a B. What do you guys think? Yeah. All right. B, B, pretty good. This is a good week for Swedenbot. Let's see what the next one is. People who are in the spiritual world have an angelic spirit inside a person. <laughs> <laughs> Grammatical issues right off the bat. <laughs> it's, it's not something Swedenborg would ever say yeah i mean it's a little more absurd 
<laughs> and, and oddly mechanical or something. <laughs> People who are in the spiritual world are an angelic spirit that used to be inside a person on earth. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice edit. So yeah, right. See, this, you know, we are Swedenbot is great. He just needs a good editor. That's all yeah. it is. <laughs> Maybe uh is a C too generous? I mean, yeah, there's yeah. A little bit of no, a C. I, think, I think a C is good. A B would be too generous for this one. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if it was a C or a D, but C, I, I like. I gotta say, I mean, Kara's edit convinced me. I was having, but like when she just changed those little <laughs> connector points, I was yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> Editor <laughs> supreme. Yeah, so <laughs> you're winning this week, Swedenbot, thanks to Kara Dom. So <laughs> Okay, well, that's our Swedenbot. See you next time, Swedenbot. You got a month to keep working. And our next game is a fabulous, uh, I was going to say multiple choice, but it's kind of like a Wheel of Fortune style game called Guess That Swedenborg Phrase. Guess that Swedenborg Phrase. <laughs> All right. Fancy. Yeah, we are ready to play this game and our panelists are going to take turns guessing letters. There's Five points for every correct consonant, one point for every correct vowel. If you guess an incorrect letter, it your those points are subtracted. And if you guess the whole phrase correctly, you get 20 points. If you guess it incorrectly, you're out of the game. And whoever end up, ends up with the most points in the end and is the winner um, is excused from the elevator pitch challenge. <laughs> so we are going to start with Jonathan to guess a letter. E. I'm sorry, what was that? That's a T as in oh, Thomas. Okay. Yes, lots of T's, five T's. That's a great start in points and filling spaces. <laughs> Chelsea, what do you guess? Uh, I was going to say D as in dog four d's so that is another good one we're off to a good start here how about you cara gotta go with h yeah. all right oh yeah five h's wow Ooh. still in this board <laughs> all right jonathan back to you uh g oh i'm so sorry no g so oh, that is okay. negative five points. So the first, first strike. All right, uh, Chelsea. Um, L? Yeah, six L's. What? Zowie. Oh. Zowie. Lots okay. of L's. All right. So there's some lots of clues there. Kara. How about S? Yes, three S's. Three S's. All right. So I've got Chelsea in the lead at the moment. Jonathan. Oh, my goodness. N. Yes, two N's. Two N's. Oh. So maybe one word getting a little bit more clear there. Uh, Chelsea. Okay. <laughs> w. 
Yep. Three W's. Mm. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> okay. Kara. Uh, I. There are four eyes. Get some vowels in here. That always helps. <laughs> it's sort of an odd one this 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 time. Mm -hmm. um, Jonathan. <clears throat> oh my goodness. Um, oh. oh. oh mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, A. Yes, four A's for sure. That helps. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, okay. Chelsea. I'm going to risk my life here and try to guess what it says. <laughs> I guess, do I get a guess if I guess a letter too? I get, but, or should I just guess what I think it says? Oh, or do I have to use my turn to guess the answer? Now I can't remember. Or do I get to guess? I get to guess a letter and then I get to try to guess the answer. Right? I, think, I think that's how we've done it in the past. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I will guess an F. Yes. Three Fs. Oh, and so the answer is the wild animal of the field stands for what the will holds. Yes. Ding, ding, okay. ding. Oh, <laughs> you are wow. the winner. Yes. <laughs> and that was a, a kind of different one. It's really, it's really hard to find these phrases that make sense, but will fit into this template. So. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever really thought about that, but thought of the wild animal of the field standing for what the will holds. That's very interesting. Yes, this is in reference, Swedenborg's talking about a quote from, I think, Hosea uh, that's, that's saying, I will strike a pact with them on that day with the wild animal of the field and with the bird of the heavens and the creeping animal of the earth. And that's just uh, symbolic talking about regeneration, which is God's uniting with all these parts in our minds and the <clears throat> wild animals of the field are things in our will and the birds of the air are things in our intellect. And so it's just these different parts of our minds that God's connecting with. <laughs> so that's what that's oh, yeah. oh, I love it so much. And I got to say, as we switch, we're going to switch to our elevator pitch game here, but um, that Curtis has won this game lots of times and I think I know having been a host it's very different to experience this show as a host than as a panelist and I wonder if the sort of host mode gives you a bit of an edge in terms of being able to think about letters and words like whereas you guys have been like working super hard answering these questions so I don't know I have a theory growing a special enlightenment for the host yes, yes for the host. better better <laughs> angels no no question better angels <laughs> Okay, but so here we go to the elevator pitch. Beautiful. So fun. And so I am not on this wheel. So now the magical wheel of the elevator pitch is going to spin and one person is going to have one minute to convince one person in a small elevator about the truth of this topic. See who it is. Ooh, Jonathan and the law of attraction. We've been talking about intentions and all that thought bringing reality. What, what's it going to be? So we, we step into an elevator and lo and behold, there is the series editor of the new century edition. 
<laughs> All right. Okay, so the the law of attraction. This is an interesting phrase. It's not. Have, have I started my time? I think now you're. Starting. There we go. Okay, good. Okay, I just the elevator wasn't moving. Um, <laughs> so the law of attraction is not specifically something that Swedenborg talks about. It's a thing that other authors talk about, but I think he would agree with the idea that love. Uh, attracts people together i really like the idea like in the 12 steps you have this idea that it's not a, a it's not promotion it's attraction you know uh and when i think about jesus's ministry he attracted i think he was it's just an extremely magnetically attractive person and so crowds would just gather to listen to him no, nobody ever spoke like this so i think there's something wonderful about the uh attractiveness of of love what is more attractive than somebody who is expressing love toward you uh and and wise thoughts so those are my thoughts for tonight Ooh, ding 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 that's great i don't want to yeah. leave this elevator it's too good <laughs> lo love is the attracting force absolutely what you love yeah. what you care about you know <laughs> That's what brings people together. Right. And like the divine is that the ultimate attraction of that love and wisdom together. So the more we align with that, the more we're in the flow. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, oh, well. So thank you. Thank you to all of you for watching. I hope you've enjoyed our games. I hope you have enjoyed your time with us. We are so grateful. So we have 10 donors and have raised $410 that is going to support our work. And I uh, just, it gets me very excited every time we're here month after month, getting to um, share in these ideas and have these spiritual conversations. So thank you also to each of our panelists. So fun to be with you. I noticed that we had a viewers tonight next door to where we're broadcasting from, from uh, Washington State to Florida, from Nepal and Hawaii. So uh, it is so awesome to be part of this huge worldwide community. Thanks. Thanks for being here with us. It's a great blessing to be with everybody uh, being on this show just always makes me happy and lifts me up. And I really um, feel the the support, the financial support is meaningful. The 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 love, the interesting ideas, the sharing of uh, loss, uh, painful experiences, good experiences. Um, it's very rich to be part of this uh, community and, and uh, very helpful while the world is going through some difficult stuff, especially. So sending love to you all. Totally agree with everything that's been said. <laughs> Resonate with everything Kara and Jonathan said. Just full of gratitude for you all and uh, it's a blessing to share this time with you. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. And I forth everything everybody has said. And uh, <laughs> I loved hearing you, Cara, say where everybody's from to just think of this global network of people who are turning our hearts towards love and wisdom to be able to help help the world. And uh, we know that's going to that's going to make an impact. So our love goes out to everybody who. Uh, is suffering or feels separate from that love and and we will 
we can hold each other up spiritually. So thanks so much for being here and we look forward to next month. Bye everybody.